With the first overall pick in the 2011 CFL Canadian Draft, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers select Enoch Mwamba, linebacker from St. Evex University. Congratulations. No kidding. There it is. <laughs>that's right commissioner kohan that's how long the career is you got multiple commissioners out here listen oh that was uh, that was uh, speedy enoch who got the first overall pick nom uh he ends his career as powerful uh enoch but always making plays welcome to the wago here in ontario it's uh nice spring is around the corner which means Combine evaluation camp is around the corner, and as you heard, uh, some kids are going to live out their dreams hearing their names called by the current commissioner, Enoch Mwamba, ran the table in terms of living out his dreams. First overall pick as a Canadian out of a U Sports school, out of the AUS, by that's the way. That's right, that's right. Uh, then has an outstanding career. Didn't fully get his Kevin Glenn on, but did the tour around the league, got his championship. Individual awards came early, team success came late, and now uh, you have moved on to the second career, post-football. We're going to talk a lot uh, on this episode about what exactly Enoch is going to do next, other than be Where's Waldo and travel the entire world. Uh, (laughs) We're going to get into our way-too-early power rankings, and I don't want to speak for Nock, but I have a bone to pick with some of them. Uh You may have seen already on social media. Uh, we're going to talk about VA, Vern Adams Jr., uh, on his way as well as Enoch to a Hall of Fame career. He re-signs in BC. And his head coach and assistant GM, Rick Campbell, uh, is going to join us from a conversation we had a few weeks ago. Now that Enoch is a full-time podcaster, he like me, want you to subscribe to this very podcast so you don't miss a thing. And check us out on YouTube because if you want to see Enoch, you're basically going to have to wait for him to be an analyst or you're going to have to watch him on YouTube because he's not playing football anymore unless he decides to come back like Jordan wearing the 4-5. <laughs> but uh, the news of the weekend, part of the news uh, in terms of CFL news that happened this weekend, the positive news was Enoch Mwamba after your 13-year pro career including some time in the National Football League, has called it quits. Two CFL all-star nods with Winnipeg and Montreal. Not a typo? Just two? Just two. I know. Felt like more, huh? It did feel like more. Yeah. Uh, 2017 Most Outstanding Canadian as an Alouette. Great Cup MVP and Most Valuable Canadian in the Great Cup, helping the Argos win their most recent ring. It, outstanding career. U Sports Pro philanthropically. Now that you have decided to officially uh, retire, the feelings are what? Man, I'm 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 completely uh, and absolutely overwhelmed with emotions. Um, it's amazing to kind of take a second to to look back and think about you know what has happened over the last you know 12, 13 years. And uh, first of all, it's hard to even. Uh, fathom that it's been that long that I've played pro. And the reason why I say that, DB, is because I, I didn't really grow up dreaming of playing, you know, professional football. And uh, it's just a testament to the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people. And uh, that's what happened to me earlier on. 
uh, in high school, really. Some people really kind of pushed me and nudged me into that direction. And obviously the rest has been history, but um, it's been amazing to have spent the amount of time that I have in the league um, and the pro level, the people that I've met. I mean, coaches that have become like father figures, like friends. And to this day, I talk to quite a few coaches that have coached me over the years. We have great relationships. I mean, the amount of brothers that I've gained over the years has been tremendous. Um, but most importantly, the, the level of success from my family, uh, sorry, support from my family, um, in particular, my wife. Uh, listen, when she leaves the house for like a day or even just for work, Sometimes I'm like, when are you coming back? <laughs> so I can only imagine, but I have to give her a shout out because she totally allows me to be who I am and to, um, to, to accomplish the things that I have. But I'm excited. I'm excited for, for what's next. Well, I, it's a Freudian slip because you did say success for the family, but it is a, a family achievement. One, to have multiple sons play professional anything, never mind football, it tells you something it tells you that like th there were some nutrients in the soil uh, in that household and then you know to your point multiple cities multiple countries uh, having you know someone ride or die with you along the way allowing you to lock in and make plays so certainly the village uh, is retired from this stage in chapter uh, a couple questions one is so when athletes generally football players retire they go two ways. They either get skinny, they're not lifting <laughs> the same way, they're not training the same way, or they get fat because they're eating the same way uh, and they're not running the same way. Which one are you going to be? I'm hoping to be the one that's not gaining too much weight, you know, but um, my wife at home works out like crazy. She's a power lifter. Um, so I'm in the gym with her now. Um, I can't. I can't slack. I can't be the, the 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 one adult in the in the house lifting the least. So, um, if anything, that's that's my motivation. Along with you know, I got some daughters. I gotta prepare you know to kind of just be just just visually intimidating for who wants to step into you know take care of them down the road. That's really my goal. That's my my. <laughs> when you talk about fitness goals and you talk about you know where I'm going as far as health wise, those are the things that motivate me. <laughs> So maybe a linebacker blitz the front door on prom night. So I'm very interested to see how this next year goes for you in terms of the emotions that you feel and in terms of the body clock that you have to navigate because for so long you've been preparing for something and now you're not. You're unique because you're retiring from the game. Most people myself included, the game retires you. You can't play at that next level. You can't play for another contract, so on and so forth. And you know, at the end of my university career a thousand years ago, <laughs> the, the, the two biggest things I realized, one is I didn't want to go in a weight room because you ha it was a place you had to be. And so for the first time when you didn't have to be there, it was like, man, okay, well, this, this doesn't feel like work, okay? So that's one. Two is your ego, your id, your sense of self changes. Because for so long, the way people recognize you and relate to you is as a football player. Mm. When you go to church, people are asking you about the season or the team or the game that they saw. That's how they, that's how they know you. That's part of your being. 
and to figure out who you are now, what the thing is that people are going to want to talk to you about, that might be interesting. I mean, you have had so much going on alongside playing that it might be an easier exit ramp for you. You're now going to be, you know, the motivational speaker or the podcaster or the analyst or the investment banker. I, I have no idea what you're going to The guy who hangs out with GSP for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be, but you have other things going on. That's certainly the, the person, you know, with philanthropic interests. And then the last piece I'm interested for you is, for me, it didn't really hit me until that next spring fall when it's like your body's like, oh, I'm supposed to be in camp. Yeah. I'm supposed to be in camp. Like, wait, what's going on, right? And so for you, when, when you have those, those markers by the calendar, by the year of what you're supposed to be doing, physically, mentally, emotionally, life-wise, getting ready for that season... When those things come and you're not doing those things, I, I'm interested to see what sort of itch you get and how, how you process that. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's been amazing. And you talk about the different things that I've been involved with. It's it's absolutely been intentional um, for maybe the last six, um, seven years. I've always kind of thought about, hey, what's next? Kind of prepare myself. And I've been blessed enough to have been surrounded with amazing individuals, mentors who have played the game. Um, both sides of the border who kind of gave me, um, you know, some some tips about how to prepare for the next steps. And so I've kind of always been very intentional on that. And um, it's been, like I said, a, a, an absolute blessing to be able to dive into different things such as media, uh, different vin business ventures. And uh, uh, so I'm looking forward to actually putting even more time on these things that, you know, I'm very excited to, to um, you know, dive into. Uh, and as well as, you know, some stuff that I'm extremely passionate about, like my foundation, and I'm looking to go global with that. So uh, lots of things on the horizon, um, you know, and, and hopefully even more time spent with you or by your side as, uh, you know, we host podcasts, podcasts and have conversations. But I totally love the aspect of storytelling and the uh, ability to just um, share people's stories. I love that. And I'm excited to kind of do a little bit more of that. So. Stay tuned. What about executive Enoch, though? Because like, <sighs> I don't, I don't want coaching's a lot of work. I watch a lot of film. I do a lot of ready sheets, especially to start. Uh, what about executive Enoch? Like <laughs> in a in a suite, power suit, still work. Still got to watch film. Still got to evaluate. But you can get somebody else to stand uh, on the forty yard line with a hand time and time the player. You could just make the decision on what the position of need is going to be and why you could task the analytics team with a study you want in the offseason i'm just saying what about executive knock have you been tapping my phone is what i really want to ask oh, you because that's exactly how um how uh, i feel about coaching and exec i've always had a passion for the front office uh if you talk to anybody that's ever been you know a general manager on the teams that i've been a part of i'm the one who always asks questions i'm in the office um, I've sometimes, you know, unsolicitedly given my advice, my opinion on, on uh, you know, the state of the team and direction of the team. But I've had great GMs over the years who embraced that, um, encouraged that. And so um, obviously.
obviously having the tenure that I've had, they also, you know, actually asked for that sometimes. So I'm excited. Um, you know, I'll be talking to some teams and hopefully, okay. you know, down the road, maybe in the next two, three, who knows how many years. But uh, I definitely see myself in the front office and, uh, uh, you know, leading a team in that, in that way for sure. Well, the locker room always knows, you know, there's something about the locker room. You can see a guy like, oh, yeah, that guy's real. He's not. Or that guy would be a good fit in our room. He wouldn't. And so we need some more former players at that level, uh, naturally. Uh, someone who the locker room, the league, certainly the Lions know is real. He's mm. a former teammate of yours, Fred Adams Jr., who was rewarded for his consistent work resiliency you know embracing the grind and he's going to be uh the bcqb you know for the next uh, couple years uh, that was announced that they got that deal done avoiding free agency next year he's extended through 2026 um big play va is your guy former teammate uh, of yours He's already talked about the fact he wants to lead this team to a home great cup. No longer just getting to the Western Finals and done. You know, a teammate of ours, Christina, tweeted out the fact that he was someone like just putting up his hand and play wide receiver in Hamilton, just trying to do whatever he could to stay on the roster, stay valuable. He ends up going to Montreal and eventually gets some reps there. I feel like when things went a bit south and he got hurt, you know, he became a little bit of a scapegoat in Montreal, but humbled himself, went to BC, had to take over for Kid Canada, someone who took over the league in Northern Rourke. Um, and it's been a seamless transition for you to see him get rewarded as not just a starter, not just a big time player. They're saying this guy's going to be one of the faces of our franchise and really the league for in terms of the amount of money that he's making i remember when he was in saskatchewan with you and he was like the third cube he was like a hype man on yep, the sideline yep. um what's it like for you to see him getting his just rewards i'm extremely excited um i, I say this he's actually had a really good conversation with him i've had an outpouring of calls from former teammates and uh and friends over the last few days and he was one of them um I'm extremely excited for him, but I'll say this: VA is the type of guy who um, it's not about the money for him. Right? And I've seen some people over the course of my career when they get the big contract, they start to change how they act. You already a CFL exec talking about it's not about the money. I'm trying to put listen. hands in the man's pockets. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Listen, it's very well documented. He got taken care of out there in BC, rightfully so. But what I'm saying is that I don't, I don't think that the reward that he's gotten is going to change the type of person that he is. One thing that VA has is uh, that is extremely special that you don't really. It's, it's hard to teach. It's hard. Um, he has, he's got determination, drive. Um, you talk about the fact that when he wasn't playing yet, and I played with him on, on a couple of teams, competed against him multiple times, so I kind of always knew how to attack him at the time, which we knew he just wanted to run. Uh, when he wasn't playing yet, 
he was a cheerleader. He always finds something to do to better the team. And this is the type of guy you want in your locker room. And um, uh, it's been a privilege to see his growth, to see, um, you know, where he came from, from being, like you said, when Christina mentioned about the fact that he was asking front office, hey, look, it's going to be hard for me to play as a quarterback on this team. I can see that. Why don't you switch me to uh, Why don't you switch me to uh, receiver? I've seen him play special teams as a quarterback. Um, this is a guy that will do anything that's necessary to help the team move in the right direction. And I love the fact that he's showing great confidence in his team to say that, hey, look, this year is great cup or bust. Um, so it just means that he's doubling down on everything that he's ever said and anything that he stands on and uh, um, he's ready to do the work. And he's in, other way, in another way also saying, guys, you guys better come ready, but it's a true sign of leadership. I mean, I can speak at length about the growth that he's experienced, especially as far as a leader. I was on a team with him in 18, I believe, in Montreal when I really saw his, his, the, the largest steps that he took towards being a leader, a true leader on a team. Young guys, if you want to look at a guy that's grown and a, lead, a true leader on a team, it's this guy right here. I mean, the way that he moves and, and he works the room and how he talks and communicates to his teammates. On the field is one thing, but I'm talking about off the field, in the locker room, to the media, the way he carries himself. It's uh, uh, something definitely to, uh, to applaud, and I'm excited for him. I'm excited for their season, and uh, we'll see where this team goes. We had the conversation earlier uh, this year about, man, are there Hall of Fame QBs left in the league? We have people playing at that level consistently for that long. You know, Bo is going to be a first ballot guy yes, sir. once he's done. Accolades, personal and winning. Trevor Harris has accumulated the stats that's going to put him in that conversation. It's going to be tough to make an argument that he's not going to be in when you compare his numbers to people who's in. Now, different era, I understand that, but all the man can do is, is what he does on the field, and he's put up the numbers. Zach is obviously going to be that conversation again. Great team success um, has been dominant for a long time. If I look around the league, the only other person really, I think, that has an argument now, especially if they do get a great cup championship, <laughs> would be VA, which it, it might sound you know somewhat blasphemous to say that, but again, look at the level he's played at when he has been a starter, when he's been healthy. Um, this team is going to be good for a while, so he could definitely put himself in that conversation. And it's funny, you know, God works in mysterious ways. When we looked at that training camp under June Jones in Hamilton, and you looked at QB room. And you said, you have Jeremiah Masoli and Johnny Manziel and Dane Evans and Vern Adams Jr. And one of these guys is going to have the chance to have potentially a contract that makes them the highest paid player in the league and run away to, if they stay healthy and do the right things, put together a Hall of Fame career. How many people would have said that person is going to be Vern Adams Jr.? Yep. Not many, mm -hmm. but this is the conversation we're having now uh, for that conversation to continue that way they have to continue to produce on the field and continue to win so let's take a look at the lions chances uh, and we're going to talk to head coach rick campbell who's looking to get them over the hump the same way he helped the ottawa red blacks do that not too long ago but history has a way of repeating itself before we talked to coach campbell a few weeks ago a meme account on instagram called cfl.commish give them a follow 
if we're going to steal their work, we should at least give them a shout out and some attribution. <laughs> they posted this story over the weekend. In 1994, in BC, Canucks lose the, the Stanley Cup in seven games. The Lions win the Grey Cup in Vancouver that year. Mm. 2011, the Vancouver Canucks lose the Stanley Cup in seven games. There was also a riot both times. They didn't throw that in the post, but needless to say, that happened. I remember that. The Lions win the Grey Cup in Vancouver. Well, guess what? 2024, the Vancouver Canucks are currently first in the NHL. And the Grey Cup is in Vancouver. Can the third time be the charm, potentially? Does this mean that BC Lions fans have to hope the Vancouver Canucks make the Stanley Cup but then lose for the Lions to win? How do you feel about the Leo's chances heading into this year? You know what? I actually like them. I like them, DB. Uh, I think they put themselves in a great position. Um, I, I love the fact that, you know, this team has been assembled the way that it has. Yes, um, you know, they, they, they lost uh, a really good receiver this offseason, uh, but they have so many weapons. And talk about Vernon Adams and potential HOF uh, campaign. Uh, one, you mentioned that they're going to be a good team for a long time. I think Vernon Adams is only going to get better as time goes on, and I love the way that he's progressed and grown over the, his career where he was a running quarterback, but now he's learning to be a pocket passer and run when he needs to. But he also has now one of his really good friends, a guy that I played with in Montreal as well, uh, and w had him as a rookie, William Stanback by his side again. So it'll be interesting to have a really good running back, the nice offense that he has, and a well-versed defense as well. So um, I think they're positioning themselves to be in a really, really good position to um, you know, go after that great cup. You know who agrees with you? Uh, their head coach, Rick Campbell. Let's holler at him now on the way. Thank you for taking the time, Coach. And uh, as we reflect back to your season, uh, how would you uh, put it into words? Because it's one where you played at an incredibly high level, were consistent, uh, and were in the conversation for winning it all, but didn't reach uh, that final goal. As you look back at it, how would you grade it? The goal, as, as you guys know, the goal is always to win the Grey Cup. When you don't win it, it's a disappointment. At the same time, I, I'm able to see the big picture. I think we're on the right track. We've had a couple of really good years, and I think we surrounded ourselves with good players and good coaches, and we just want to continue to build on that and keep working at it. And uh, the older I get at this, um, of course, I'm disappointed when we don't win the Great Cup, but I also appreciate um, good football, which we played a lot of, and we're just going to keep, uh, keep working at it and try to get over the top talk about being on the right track you're on a great track um especially you know seeing the proof is in the success that you've had in the last couple of years can you speak to the uh excellence of um your offensive coordinator jordan mcsimmick and and what he's been able to do over the last couple of years yeah it's been fun to watch him grow so when i got my first head coaching job in 2014 with ottawa i hired jordan that was his first coaching job and he was an offensive assistant and I just knew he was a guy that was a super hard worker um, and and had a, a true love of the game he's not a guy that uh, watches film because he has to he's a guy that that just is kind of a football junkie and uh, I knew he'd with time he'd he'd grow into uh, grow into that role and so 
Um, I was proud again to hire him first time um, when I, I got the BC job to have him be the offensive coordinator. And um, I think, I think what he does really well is that, uh, um, and, you know, as you know, football players just want coaches that can help them play better and have success. And that's really Jordan's agenda. He has no other agenda other than um, whoever the players are. He just wants to put them in the best position to be successful. So it's been, uh, it's been fun to watch him uh, grow from, well, it's coming up 10 years now from 2014 to now. Coach, you're a defensive coordinator, another former, uh, a former player in RP. And we had him on the show before as well. And, and, you know, he, he's a character and, I played against him as well, and I know a little bit of the you know the type of player that he was. Talk to us about the type of coach that he is as well, because you know he's actually done really well for you guys as well, especially in you know developing the defense out the way that it was, and and Matthew Betts as well. His contribution has a you know yeah. largely because of um, you know RP. Yeah, he's uh, made the made the commitment when I went to BC to hire some younger people or newer people, which Jordan and uh, RP both fit that, that role. He's uh, RP's super smart. Um, don't tell him I said this, but part of the reason he was a really good player was his intellect. So I know players want to say they're the best athletes on the field, but part of, part of the reason he was a really good player was he understood what was going on and understood what the offense was trying to do. And so um, that's good. He can translate that to the, to the players. And I also like about RP is he always asks questions. He's not a guy that thinks he knows it all. And, uh, guys like that, that are, that, you know, ask questions or just want to know things or be better. And, um, he, he fits into that category and he's just going to continue to grow and get better. What I love about both coordinators, both who, you know, are on the short list for, people who could become a head coach in upcoming cycles is you think about offensively, what are you trying to do? You're trying to uh, limit negative plays, stay on schedule. Uh, RP is getting turnovers and getting sacks. You're thinking defensively, what are you trying to do? Uh, Keep your mistakes in front of you. Keep a roof on the defense. Uh, Jordan's got all these explosive plays all over the place. How specifically are they doing the exact things that the sport at this point is designed to stop? I, I think they do a great job of studying what's going on. And I think, I think they're open-minded. I, I like to think that uh, I'm open-minded too. I, I think um, part of the trap you fall into is with, with coaches is they kind of get set in their ways and this is how we do things. And um, we're, we try to be very open-minded and try to evolve not only year to year, but week to week on, on, uh, on what we do. And so I think that's a, that's a key component to it is to be open-minded and to, to, to try to think outside of the box a little bit. And they both are, are both willing to do that, which is good. Coach, you, you guys are on track, you guys in the right direction. And uh, again, I think before we even move from those two guys that, you know, you appointed and, and really you found like, what, what is it about, you know, you and that, you know, you get to find these young, talented, you know, coordinators the way that you have. Like I said, I just try to try to spot people that uh, um, have a work ethic and kind of a knack for um, you got to have the right personality, too, as a, as a coach is to um, uh, you don't want to be overbearing. Um, it's, uh, I guess, personality traits and work ethic. If you got that, then I think you can uh, I think you can be a really good coach. And it's fun for me to watch. Um, I know, I, I, I know when I was back to my days as being a GA at Oregon, I just, um, appreciated that people believed in me and gave me a chance. And that's, uh, 
that's what I try to do for people that, uh, that, uh, that show those traits. And I think, uh, our coordinators fit that bill for sure. That's true of your staff. I've noticed you have a lot of former players on that staff and you have staff continuity, something that most teams in pro sports, specifically football can't say, what was the importance of building the staff the way you have and the ability to keep it together? Yeah, that's what we're, we're really made an effort. Like I said, when we went a little bit younger on the coaching side was to try to get some continuity and growth and, uh, feel very fortunate that all the coaches agreed to come back and, uh, um, and same thing with players. Um, we, we've tried to sign as many people to at least two year contracts so that we can have some form of continuity. I just know that's, that's the recipe for success is if you can keep a core group of players around and the, and the coaches around, you have opportunity to grow and get chemistry and all that stuff. So we're, we're really making an effort of, uh, um, you know, not doing the year to year thing where you're just, uh, sign in a bunch of free agents and having new people in and out the door all the time. And so um, I think, I think continuity is, is what, what wins. And when you think about the teams that have, have success or have had success over the years is they have a, they definitely have continuity going for them. Um, I'm interested to know coach when, when, when you talk about your team, you, you did an amazing job of appointing some great leaders, uh, great coordinators, offense, defense, and special teams. And you guys have been doing tremendously the last couple of years when it comes to the communication with your team and, and, and the players, what is that conversation like when it comes to, you know, just communicating the importance or the things that are going to be important to kind of get over the hump and, and really beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to get to that championship game so that you can have a chance at hosting a trophy? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's been the, that's been the roadblock, right? Two years losing in, in, in Winnipeg in the West final. So they're uh they're obviously the the team to beat they've been uh they've been they, they've been good these last four years or whatever it's been five years and so we're just trying to build to that level and uh and um i think we have people that are invested and we just we'll keep working at it you know whether it's you know signing a free agent or two or or just getting better and we we've been we've been right there and um you know playing in winnipeg in november has been our roadblock but uh doesn't mean we can't uh, we can't we can't get past that, and we're going to continue to work at this. And uh, like I said, I think we're on the right track, and we just gotta gotta get over that hump. Being where you are, coach, do you then take the approach? Hey, look, we are going to continue to improve on the things that we've been doing, and and become the best version of our team that we can be. Or or do you take more spe- a more specific approach? Where hey, look. What are some of the things that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you know, that we can take advantage from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and how can we, you know, beat them to be uh, at the top? Or, or is it more like a holistic approach where, look, we, we got to be the better team regardless of who we're facing? Yeah, it's, it's a holistic approach. So we want to we grow with the people we've got and we're always going to look. That's part of football is evolving and adding, adding pieces when you can that, that can improve your team. But I'm a big believer in in letting people grow and develop. And I think, uh, um, I think we'll continue to do that. And, um, you know, Winnipeg's a good example of, um, you know, you have to have good players. Obviously if you're not talented, it it doesn't matter, but they're a, they're a team that has chemistry and they're, they're, they're tough to beat at home. And, um, and, and we think we're that way too. And we just think if we continue to grow and, and, uh, 
you know, we want, we want to give people the opportunity, like you said, to be the best versions of themselves and the best um, football players they can be. And if we can put them in those spots where we think we can do good things. You mentioned your Oregon ties in the past, your QB, VA, obviously. Um, spent some time as an Oregon Duck. When you go in the history of the sport, even all the way back to Warren Moon, there have been so many players that have come from the Pac-10 or then Pac-12, a conference that, moving forward, won't really uh, exist, but has given so many players to the CFL. When you think about the fact that such a storied conference is going away, what comes to mind? Sad and crazy. If you told me five years ago that the, I call it the Pac-10, but the Pac-12, you told me that was going to be gone, I would have said, what are you, what are you even talking about? So I, I went to Washington State, um, worked at Oregon. I hate the Washington Huskies, but I'll be, I'll be cheering for them tonight. Um, but yeah, cra crazy, sad. Um, I, dealt, I know a ton of people that have ties to, uh, ties to the Pac-10 and that it's going away is, uh, I think we'll, we're all going to be sad about that for, for quite a while. You talk about your, your, your stops in the, the few schools that you were at. And then even, I guess, your beginnings here in the CFL, Coach, what are, what's the one thing that you feel has um, impacted you the most into becoming the kind of coach that you are today? It's a people business. I know. I mean, we, you can talk about X's and O's and all that stuff's important, but it comes down to people. And even being at this convention down here, it's, it's just, it's really cool to run into people you haven't seen for a few years or, you know, guys that have uh, played or coached in the CFL in the eighties, the nineties, the two thousands, all that stuff. And, um, um, the older you get, you just appreciate all the, the work and effort that people put into this, to this game that we all love, but we know it's a very hard game to play. And so just, uh, you know, really grateful for all the, all the people I've met and, uh, even all these people I'm seeing down here, it's, uh, it's pretty impactful to think all the people that have, uh, um, you know, touched my life and touched my football life. And, uh, I'm just, just happy to be a part of it. You mentioned it being a people business. We, We've seen that personality come through in your organization from afar via social media, whether it's the fits walking into the stadium or your post-game locker room speeches and celebrations. There's a lot of fun uh, being had, and that really, you know, travels to the fans with what's going on around the organization and in uh, owner Doman. What's it been like for you to? be a part of a build in Ottawa, but now almost a rebuild with new energy in BC. Yeah. So um, number one, as I want people that walk through the door to, to be a BC line is I want them to bring their whole self and I want them to be themselves. I don't want them to be something else. So I, as long as you're a good teammate, I'm going to let people, I hope they bring their personality and everything that, that comes with that. So uh, we, we, we want everyone that plays for the BC Lions to be themselves. And then when you mention Amar, um, our owner, what a, what a special guy. Like he, uh, he, he, he is exactly who you think he is, is he's bringing his whole self to the BC Lions and um, in, the, in the community, all that stuff. He's from BC, um, lives in Vancouver, and he's, he's, I would even call him a fan of the BC Lions and a fan of the CFL. And uh, he he gives us every opportunity to have success, and it's been uh, it's been uh, I mean, man, I I thank my lucky stars on that guy because when you think about coming out of the pandemic 
and um, the Lions are in search of a new owner. Like, talk about uh, you couldn't find a better guy for for the Lions in the league. So that all trickles down to all of us is that uh, he just wants us to grow and have success and have a have a good time doing it. And um, um, it's been pretty special. And lastly, before I let you go, uh, you have a real in-depth knowledge of the rules and you think about, you know, certainly where the game has been, where it can go. And so I, I'm asking you something. I'm asking all the coaches, if you could change or tweak one thing, a rule, a, a structural thing, an infrastructure thing, what would it be? That's a, that is a good question. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I want us to get good at, at what we do. We've, we've kind of gone through some evolution of some rule changes and some, um, some things. I just want us to get really good and comfortable with, <laughs> with, uh, with the rules we have right now. So, um, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm probably going to think of something three minutes after I get off the phone with you guys, but I'm glad the. I will say that I'm glad that the CFL is not the NFL. I don't think the answer is to be the same. I think what what makes the CFL uh, continue to to grow and survive is that uh, is that it is different and it's uh, it's still football, but it's a uh, it's a different league with different rules. And I don't think we should uh, shy away from that. Amen. Well, uh, enjoy your time uh, with all of uh, your CFL brethren, um, and thanks for spending the time in the busy off season. Cool. Thank, thank you guys for having this podcast and talking CFL football. I appreciate you. So you can hear the optimism in Rick Campbell's voice. Likes the group, likes the team. Makes sense. He's the one partially who put it together. And now they've got some security and really some you know, consistency at the quarterback position after it's been a bit of a turnstile. Michael Riley retires. Uh, Nathan Rourke takes over, does so well. He goes to the NFL. VA comes in, you know, towards the end of the year. And now VA had a full year under his belt, and he will be their guy uh, moving forward. So great to see how they build that team and continue to build that offense around him. He would agree with your assessment before we spoke to him that they could win it all. He may not agree with our team here at the CFL.ca's assessment in terms of the power rankings. And I need to say, don't come at me and Enoch because we had nothing to do with it. We were not asked. We did not vote. We're not part of the panel. You know who was, though? Producer Pete. Producer Pete sure was. Hey, I... Also, uh, 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 my, uh, uh, the producer uh, uh, Pete's uh, uh, preseason power rankings. You're do, stuttering. Do not correspond with these power rankings. <laughs> you had some input. BB, I think we need to have a camera here so people can actually see the producer Pete. We got to work on that. He's we, giving you the shaggy it wasn't me. <laughs> we can get a camera up, and I'll give you the producer Pete power rankings if you want after this. But give them the rankings that we all came to and talk about them. And if you want mine after, they can criticize them. I think too. from now on when we put the power rankings up, it should be a carousel on Instagram. It should be the CFLs. And then you swipe over and you see producer Pete. Producer Pete's face. Just so we know exactly where, where he weighed in. I mean, we could go through it. And producer Pete, you can interject where you disagree. But you, how many people are on the panel? Like eight or nine of us. So, mm. I mean, you, you still have big input. It's, it's not like it's a <laughs> not, cast of 50. Okay, but it's not three. At number nine. 
the Calgary Stampeders. At number eight, Hamilton the Tiger Hamilton Cats. Cats. Damn, y'all are huge Simone Lawrence fans, evidently. <laughs> and number seven, the Ottawa Red Blacks. Number six, the Edmonton Elks. Number five, Toronto Enochs, Argonauts. Toronto Argonauts. Number four, and maybe they're just huge Enoch Mwamba fans. <laughs> Enoch actually likes that one. Uh, number four, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Three, BC Lions. Two, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And number one, uh, there will be no Grey Cup speech about being disrespected in the power rankings by Cody Fajardo as the Montreal Alouettes go from nine a year ago to one this year. I, I got some questions. Talk to but, me. But, but Producer Pete, do, do you, do you want to defend what it is that we just read? I'm going to let you guys go at these power rankings first. And then if there's any... Thing that you say that I don't necessarily agree with. How about then I give you my opinion? Mm. Since you do get paid to do the podcast. So you're ducking the smoke is what I <laughs> Absolutely is ducking the smoke. I don't understand how the Toronto Argonauts are five. And your boy Sean Lemon came at me on IG about questioning them at five. I just They were number one essentially for the balance of the year last year. They lost one game to Montreal, and granted, Montreal went on to win the most important game, the Grey Cup. They lost a lot in free agency. I get it. But to drop from number one consensus, essentially, to middle of the pack, to me, that seems bizarre. You you agree that they should have dropped, or you don't agree that they should? They should have dropped, but not to five. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I, I definitely agree the drop because of the changes that are going to be in the locker room, um, not just player wise, um, who literally went down the QEW. A few um, that went down the QEW. I think that's going to have an impact in that matchup as well. I don't think it was a coincidence, um, but the coaching staff. We talked at length about Corey Mace leaving on, as a defensive coordinator. I think that will take a little bit of time um, to kind of reestablish that system, defensively speaking. So I kind of see what that what what producer Pete and and, and the gang <laughs> were thinking when they did that. Okay. Damn, you sure switched up. I didn't switch up. I'm just this being guy, honest. This guy was I'm Mr. Argo. He puts in his retirement. You, you papers. just can't win in All this podcast. You can't win on this podcast, please. <laughs> You're telling me you can't win on this podcast. When I say, "Hey, Toronto Argos should be number one," really, of course, because you wear the double blue. And when I come here and I say my opinion, oh, man, honestly speaking, and I agree with it. Oh, this guy switched up. I'm just gonna state my opinion and live with it. No, I get it. Listen, listen. No, I get it. When you when you leave. You don't want your ex to do better after you leave. <laughs> so I get, I get it. I get it. I understand. I get it. Listen, evidently, like you, the power rankings group are huge Corey Mace fans because Saskatchewan, a team who, uh, might I remind y'all, missed the playoffs, is four. Here's my biggest question. We said last week in terms of the odds, we like Saskatchewan. We think they're going to make improvement. They should have increased post-free agency. I don't know if they should be this high, however, in relation to Toronto. But you mentioned, okay, the Argos, they lost a lot of guys. Hamilton scooped up some of their guys. Hamilton's eight. Hamilton's so so if I'm using the methodology of the Argos are worse 
because they lost some key guys to the Tiger Cats. Well, the Tiger Cats are eight. The Tiger, the Tiger Cats are lower in this ranking than they were at the end of last year. The, basically, what the CFL way too early power rankings group said, we, we don't rate the East. Because of the top four, there is one team who is from the East. Granted, they are one, and they are the Great Cup champions. But you have Winnipeg, BC, and Saskatchewan above anybody else uh, it, coming out of the East. Yeah, as much as I love Corey Mace, as much as I believe in his system, I still understand also the fact that it'll take a little bit of time. Whether it's mid-season that it'll start to click, whether it's late in the season that it'll start to click, maybe whether it's year two that it'll start to click. It will click at some point in Saskatchewan, uh, and Ryder fans are going to be proud of the team that Corey Mace is coaching, but I don't know if the way-too-early standings should have them this high. And just because of those variables, those things that you cannot predict and you don't know about yet. So I would definitely move them down a little bit. And Hamilton, 100%, you talked about it, and I talked about it. You got to remember, I think that the new look Hamilton Tiger Cats with a new head coach who's been there, who got there last year, and 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 having an offseason with future Hall of Famer, Bo Levi Mitchell, I think they're going to be, do, be doing more damage than obviously – producer Pete's and his team I believe and so I would definitely move them up higher and I would even talk about that because one two three you're not moving four five six and I'm moving eight uh Hamilton up there in the, in, in, in that conversation um I, I'm I'd be talking about well is Toronto better than Hamilton now is Hamilton a little bit better did they take a, a, a step in a direction where they can be placed a little bit higher up Again, we talk about stability. That's what I'm looking at when I'm looking at a, a, a two early standings in the offseason like this. Am I in the Twilight Zone? No, you're not. Did this man just say? I definitely did. You heard Hamilton everything I said. Tiger Cats better than Toronto Ar Argonauts? Uh, how are they going to get off the field, my guy? So they lost. Let's just look at some of their best defenders. Dylan Wynn, not there. Tundea Delake, not there. Jameer Thurman, not there. Simone Lawrence, not there. You, you think? The Hamilton Tiger Cats, as presently constituted, are better than the Toronto Argonauts? I'm saying that the Hamilton Tiger Cats are going to have the type of offense that every team is going to be afraid of. Scott Milanovic, Bo Levi Mitchell, and an offseason is something dangerous. It's something that you have to talk about. Now, like I said, the, Ham the Toronto Argonauts, for as long as I've been there, at least the last three years, and it's been always been a rivalry, we, for the most part, have won most of the games. But I'm saying this year... We have to talk about where are they sitting at right now. Enoch Mwamba has a Finsta. He is the person <laughs> who scrolls on IG, looking at his ex, being like, look, look at that. Look at that person that they're with. Not as good as me. Listen, I'm just stating the fact that there's been a lot of changes, and whenever there's a what's lot the of changes change? in what's the, biggest, what's the biggest change? In Toronto? Yeah. I mean, aside from me leaving. <laughs> no, what I'm talking about, again, the Toronto Argonauts, let's be real, let's be fair. The last three years, not because I played there, but the defense have played a huge role in taking them as far as they have. You just look at the facts. You look at this. I'm, I'm not saying I was the, the whole defense leader. A lot of the defense. Hey, hey, Oak. Hey, Flo. Hey, hey McManus. They'll tell you. They'll tell you they got, a, they got some work to do. Come get your boy. They got some work to do. With friends like this, you don't need enemies. That team has some work to do on defense. 
again, leave having Corey Mace leaving is going to change a few things. The two early uh, power rankings right now, you could definitely talk about it like that. It's not. It doesn't mean that when the season starts, they won't be able to uh, perform and won't be able to be competitive. But right now, you got to ask these questions. You hand in your key pass yet? I definitely did. But I'll be in the building. <laughs> <laughs> you better wear a vest when you're in that building. They're, they're going to come for you. Uh, well, you. The, the beautiful thing about this is at this point in the year, everybody's an expert. So Everybody. you let us know uh, who you like in the CFL way too early power rankings. Get in the comments on IG. They're already getting a little spicy. Bruce Pete, when are these power rankings going to be updated? Because at this point, nothing is changing. Yeah, probably maybe before week one, maybe after week one. Do you even know? I don't think he knows. How engaged are you on this panel? You don't even know when the next time you're supposed to vote. The season doesn't start for months. Are you you going to update it after the draft? We will decide that down the road. Nice. Well, nice. Yeah, we got to get through combine first. He's he's just one eighth of the votes, Stevie. He's one eighth of the votes. Any uh, anything you want to bring up relative to the votes to defend their honor that we didn't touch on? I would like to say because you guys gave the panel trouble for having Hamilton too low that I had Hamilton at five for all the no. defensive pieces they picked up from Toronto. Where did you have Toronto? Six. Oh my! <laughs> did we talk before this podcast about this? We didn't. All right. Just being realistic. Okay. I also had Winnipeg at one, mind you. Ooh. Winnipeg didn't lose people? I don't know if I agree with you on that. Y'all are coming at Toronto for I don't know if I agree with you on that. Winnipeg didn't lose people? Uh, Winnipeg has been, has enough history when you talk about who they have, the core that they possess, not enough has changed to me in my mind as far as their stance and where they belong. And here, at two, at two, I'm not complaining. Here's yeah. the history that matters. Uh, last year, they lost to Montreal. The same team Toronto lost to. The year before, they lost to Toronto. Toronto. What? What? What history? And they bo- this year they both lost key members of that core in free agency. So what? What? What's the discrepancy that I'm missing? I still look at Winnipeg as the standard in the CFL, and and, and this is not just me. You can walk around in different locker rooms. They know. We understand the excellence that's been in that building. When you play that team, you have to bring your A game. It's the fact. It's the reality of the situation. I wouldn't put them at number one because I have respect for the people who won the Grey Cup last year. Right now, I would not put them at number one. But nonetheless, Doggy, this is still the team to look at. You've had like two kids since they won their last championship. And they went back to back. And a lot of those guys are still in that locker room. The system hasn't changed much. The coaching staff is still together. Uh, they did all they could, and they've done a really good job at it as well. I, trying to keep the core. Like, this is CFL. This is pro football. Ch- teams always change in the offseason. I'm just talking. When I look at Toronto, I, talk, I look at a, uh, at, a, at a as a defensive coordinator leaving, and a bunch of pieces are also going down the, the, the highway. You got to talk about that conversation. But in Winnipeg, I think they belong where they are right now. I'm just hearing a lot of talking it, it, it let's just make it very clear producer pete enoch you're willing to put money up that toronto doesn't end up with a record in the top four is toronto going to end up in the top four is what you're asking well i mean you got y'all have them at five you all have hamilton with a better record than them so pick your bet this hamilton the- has a better record or toronto is in the top four or both you could double down if you'd like no no, no. i truly believe that right now this these are the right conversations to have with Toronto and all the changes that they've had. 
this is they they belong in the middle of the pack. And you think so I'm sorry. they're top three? Or do you think that they're in the top three? Can, can, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yes. But can you answer my question? Are either of you willing to put money up? When, when people have a disagreement and they can't solve it, what's the next word? Bet. Are either <laughs> will, are you willing to bet that, I mean, you guys out here talking about Hamilton's going to have a better record and that Toronto shouldn't be in the top four. Y'all willing to put money on either of those things? Okay. If I was not a league employee and could... I right. would, I well would said. Well said. put money that Toronto is not going to be in the top four. How but do, to be clear, I won't because I work for the league. You, you're going to influence the, <laughs> the, the game? Like I said, I said that I, I don't definitively say, I'm not definitively saying that Hamilton is better. I'm saying that it is a great conversation to have between you are who is on top. No, better. absolutely not. This is, again, what does it say on top of that list? The way too early power rankings. And this is the perfect time to have that conversation. Sweet. But you are saying that they are Toronto Argonauts are in the top three. So who in the one, two, three are you taking out? Is what we need to hear from you, DB. Oh no, no. I said I said Toronto. Oh, whoa, 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 we're back. <laughs> we're backpedaling here. No, 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 no. We're backpedaling. I, I Bruce and Pete, I hear some stutters listen, now. Listen, I said they should they should be higher than five, would be top four, number one, and two, that they should be higher than than Hamilton. So yes, I'm taking Saskatchewan. Out of the top four. All right. I thought you said one, two, three. I thought you said top three, but we'll, we'll take that. So you're saying Toronto in four, at four. Hamilton at five is what you're saying? Or or no, no Hamilton belongs in the I, bottom, I, in the basement. Hamilton, I'm fine with where Hamilton's at. But, I, I, but I'm not, I'm not, my point was Hamilton's not, has not had a, has not done enough this offseason to all of a sudden have a better standing in the power rankings than Toronto, which is the propaganda that you tried to sell me on. What about did Winnipeg do enough in the offseason to be to belong in the top three? Winnipeg, to your point. No, what? No, no. Let me finish. Uh huh. I was you. No, I'm, I was, to my point that you were trying to break down. No, but let's my hear it. Point, your point that I was trying to apply to why you're not keeping the same energy as Toronto. Winnipeg is very good, but Winnipeg lost important pieces. But y'all still have them at two. And you drop Toronto all the way to five. So my question was, what is the difference? So I agree Winnipeg is good. I just also agree that Toronto... Why is, why is Winnipeg good? Because they have good players. And yes, they lost some, but they have a strong core. Y'all are acting like Toronto doesn't have a strong core, is my point. That's not Nobody said anything about not having a strong core. I'm saying that Hamilton took some steps to, have, to be in a conversation between the two. Winnipeg has been a good team, historically speaking, is exactly what you just said in different words. But so, Sorry, Toronto hasn't been a good team, historically speaking? They, have, they haven't won the East how many years in a row? I talked about the departures. Okay. That I think is going to affect and, ha- and, and requires a, the conversations that I'm bringing up right now and Winnipeg, with regards to Toronto and Hamilton. Winnipeg doesn't have departures? When they go to the airport, they're only going to arrivals? What are you <laughs> talking about? They have not as, not as significant departures as the uh, Toronto uh, Argonauts had. We could sit here and talk about this all day, but I have to edit this later. So can we let public opinion decide in the comments? No, what you need to do is you need to bookmark this conversation. (laughs) That's right. And bring it back at the end of the regular season. Definitely bookmark it. And and hold up what y'all said. You know what? Next week, I'm going to give it some thought. I'm going to come with with Donovan's power rankings. Okay. And I, and, and I I need you to remember the blasphemy that y'all were saying. <laughs> and then we'll see if you keep the same energy but, at the but, end of the regular season. Before we season let this conversation week. go, what do you have to say about the auto red blacks? I feel like they're too low. 
They're too low? Yeah. Where are you putting them? I'm putting them uh, above Edmonton. To me, I, I think... Wow. Did, didn't Edmonton have a contest for... Uh, if we win a game, you get to come to a game? <laughs> Like, we're, we're that far removed? I actually think that this is going to be a completely different team this year. Part of the reason why I have them low, because you know that you, it's not fantasy football. You don't just throw people together, and day one, they're going to play well. It takes some time. So if, if you are, if you are look, see, don't try to defense lawyer me. If you're going to rate Winnipeg because of their uh, consistency of their core in the locker room, don't you have to have some demerit points for Edmonton? Oh, okay, great. Edmonton hasn't had success, and they don't have consistency. So the two very reasons you're rating Winnipeg, which are standards you're not applying to Toronto, by the way, you're now giving Edmonton love for having the exact opposite? I'm giving them the love because I see what is in the locker room, and I see the, what they're producing and creating over there. One, Chris Jones. Two, uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, and the weapons that are around him. I truly believe in what's happening over there. That's my opinion. I, I, I like where they are right now. In my and in, in, to 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 really state it clearly, I like where Edmonton is, but you think that they should they belong lower? As of today, yes. <laughs> As of today, all right. This is a great conversation. Well, well, we have to go. Like, remember, Ottawa lost almost every game close. They weren't far away. They were competitive, and so essentially, what this states is with a year of internal growth with uh, a, a new offensive coordinator, with a new quarterback, with some key signings. Yeah, Ottawa, you're, you're the same team. And I just I just don't think that's true. I think they've made incremental improvements, and I think they were close. Edmonton, for most of the year, was not close. And so, yes, they have uh, Curly Giddens Jr., who I believe is 1A, 1B, the best Canadian receiver in the league. They bring in your boy, Macbeth. But... Still, I, I I think they've got a ways to go. All right. Well, that's 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 less to be seen, but I do believe that there are some great weapons out there that uh, will make Edmonton a very competitive team. I'm gonna come with Donovan's definitive bookmark this, please, Pete. Next week, yes, bookmark. Yeah, no, this. it's a segment next week. Well, I, I want the segment at the end of the regular season when you guys look foolish for putting Hamilton over Toronto and putting. You Toronto know what's gonna five. happen, producer Pete? You say, well, I was wrong. Bookmark that too. This is exactly what he's going <laughs> to say. Who's going to say I was wrong? You definitely will. Uh, either way, we're keeping receipts from this episode. Absolutely. Yeah, unless I change my mind after the draft. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you let us know what you think. You know how to hit us up at Donovan Bennett for me at he underscore who knocks and producer Pete. What's your at? At P. Sorellis. Good luck spelling my last name. Or you could just spell it for him. No, they can find me. No, well, it, well, it's up there. P. S. A. R. E. L. L. A. S. Subscribe Uh-oh. on YouTube oh, yeah, yeah. for podcast clips and listen. Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. 